Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome, favorite and uh, man with knowledge of all things historical, international, and specifically Taiwanese, because we're going to talk about the uh, Taiwanese elections that have recently been held. And Terence Corrigan is just such a man. Not only is he the project manager at the Institute, but he both spent a fair amount of time working for the South African Institute of International Affairs, and he taught English in Taiwan. So there is no one better to talk to us than Terence. Terence, hi. Hi, Sarah. How are you? No, I'm fine. It's nice uh, to be speaking to a colleague again, um, particularly on an issue that I know you're both knowledgeable and passionate about, and that's mm. Taiwan and the and the fate of Taiwan. Right. Terence, um, I'm really looking at a, an article you wrote for The Daily Friend, which I commend our audience to access on The Daily Friend. And I would like to get a little but first start off with a little bit of background on why the Taiwanese election is, of all the 60-odd elections that are being held this year, uh, affecting 2 billion people in 50 countries, as you have written, Taiwan, we should, in fact, be paying more attention to than might seem obvious at first. So what is it about Taiwan that makes it so intriguingly different? What What is it, uh, briefly, its history, and then we'll go on to where is it now? Well, um, to understand Taiwan, um, you can kind of think, uh, think, think of it as the... Uh, as the birth partner of, uh, of the People's Republic of China, what we call, uh, China. Um, but it, it had a very, very long and unsettled history. Um, Taiwan, uh, at one stage known as Formosa and still called that in some quarters, um, lies off the, uh, off the Chinese coast, uh, so south of Japan and Throughout its history, a lot of its, uh, a lot of the waves of settlement were, um, essentially people leaving mainland China to, for some, for whatever reason, to, 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 uh, to get away, whether those were, uh, people going to, um, uh, going to work for the Portuguese or the Dutch who had trading stations there, um, whether they were pirates or fishermen, um, it, for, for much of its history, it was, in a sense, a bit of an ungoverned space, um, it uh, was nominally Chinese territory for for some time, but they ceded it to Japan in 1895 after they were defeated. Uh, Japan um, it remained a Japanese possession until after uh, until until the end the end of World War II, and that's a it's an important piece of uh, piece of its history because the Japanese cultural influence. Uh, Highly contested, um, uh, contested political and identitarian issue there. At the, um, at the end of the war, and this is kind of where, where, where the modern politics begins, um, the Republic of China was one of the victorious allies. Uh, it's often forgotten that, uh, the war between Japan and China is, um, actually predated Hitler's invasion of, um, invasion of Poland or the Pacific War. Um, 
the the the, the Syrians are considered a fundamentally separate conflict, but these things became uh, became very uh, very tied up. Um, now Taiwan was sort of passed over to China to 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 the Republic of China to administer. And there's there also there's also disputes about what that meant. Did that mean that it was now going to that it was now a part of China, or it was, uh, you know, like one of the occupation zones in Germany? That you know exactly what what what, what was going to happen. But that, in a sense, became moot because the because China promptly collapsed into civil war. Uh, the uh, the government of the Republic of China, the Chinese Nationalists, the uh, Guomindang, the, the well Chinese Nationalist Party, or the KMT. Um, were eventually expelled from uh, from the mainland, and they retreated to Taiwan as their sort of um, uh, as their uh, as their redoubt. Their idea was always that this was going to be the base from which they would reconquer China. Um, and for uh, you know for the next um, for the next thirty years or so, the assumption on both sides of the of the Taiwan Strait, both in the People's Republic of China and in the Republic of China, which is Taiwan's official name, was that they, uh, was that there was one China and each one was the, uh, uh, was the sole and authentic, um, uh, uh, government. Um, in fact, for, for, for a long time, there were there actually two, there were two governments on Taiwan, one for Taiwan province and one for the Republic of China, even though in practical terms, they, con- they controlled exactly the same territory. Um, now, Taiwan beca- uh, over that period became very wealthy, uh, became a manufacturing hub, and then went into 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 high tech. By the 1980s, this was uh, was one, what they called an, uh, one of the newly industrialized countries. You had a gro- you had a growing middle class, people who were very educated, a lot of them, particularly American cultural influence, um, also a lot of uh, a lot of Japanese influence. Um, Taiwan uh, had an effective um, had the effective military protection of the United States, but at this point, China just didn't didn't have anything like the reach to sort of get a uh, to, to to pose any any, any serious threat. Um, it democratized during the during the eighties and nineties, um, and in two thousand, it had its first presidential uh, first presidential election that resulted in a change of government from the KMT which had ruled from the uh, from the 1940s to the Democratic uh, Progressive Party which uh, the, they call themselves the Pan Greens uh, owing to the to the uh, 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 to the colors that they they use um, and what they kind of signif- uh, they signified a number of things first of all um, this was kind of a new era of 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 Taiwanese politics, many of your listeners would be familiar with the story, with the uh, uh, the story of the Great Leap Forward in China, the Cultural Revolution, the repression that happened there. Um, Taiwan went through um, went through something I would I wouldn't say comparable, but they called the White Terror, and uh, lots of extrajudicial killings. Some of them even conducted conducted overseas, um, and also the forcible repression of any kind of notion of uh, of independent Taiwanese uh, identity. In the 1990s, this, this started to change. A uh, younger generation that was now sort of two or three generations removed from uh, from China. These sort of wistful romances that you'd read as school prescribed texts about, uh, you know, growing up in Canton just didn't mean anything to them. These were people who, uh, you know, for you know, who might be very familiar with Los Angeles or Tokyo and, you know, know nothing of Shanghai. 
um, you know, they just grew, just grew apart. For many, uh, for many Taiwanese, particularly the sort of ethnic Taiwanese, these are people who with, um, roots that went back, you know, uh, uh, several hundred years. Their cultural, uh, orientation point had often been Japan. Um, and this, this became a very sore point for the, for the Chinese nationalists because they were, uh, you know, sort of inheritors of the char- of the, the resistance to Japan on the, on um, the mainland. Um, you know, the, the, the behavior of the Japanese army in China was often comparable to the way the, 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 the Germans behaved in Russia or Poland or, um, um, in fact, Adolf Hitler was even shocked at the way they, uh, uh, you know, the way they went through Chinese cities in the 1930s. Um, many Taiwanese had actually been, in, you know, had sort of supported the Japanese war effort. Japan's plan ultimately was to turn Taiwan into a kind of Okinawa that would be politically Japanese, but culturally somewhat distinct. Um, many of the older people had studied in Japan Um and for many younger Taiwanese, Japan was a cool place. You know, that was, you know, Japanese culture, Sony, PlayStation, um, you know, it was a place where you, where, you, where you went on holiday, and it was also a democracy. Um, now, by sort of two, 2000, I can say with, with confidence, Taiwan's press was probably the freest in Asia, maybe rivaled by Japan's, um, certainly freer than a place like Singapore. Um, they'd deposed, uh, uh, they'd, they'd kicked the ruling party out of power. A very noisy democracy. You would have fist fights in their parliaments. It became a bit of a joke. Um, but the point is that Taiwan was, was, was doing its own thing and it didn't think of itself for the most part as Chinese. Um, for now that's, that's the sort of background to the geopolitics. Then we get to what's happening. Can I, yeah. Can I just ask you now, um, what, what was the point of, or was there a sort of particular point when China, communist China started to take a more belligerent approach to, to, to Taiwan and it, and, and it then became the issue of, you know, demanding that the, that countries that recognized Taiwan either derecognized them or did not recognize them. It was China or Taiwan, and by then it was generally yeah. China. Well, look, that was basically their position, uh, the position of both states for most of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when uh, when the Republic of China was expelled from the UN, I think it was in 1971, Communist China took over, uh, 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 mm-hmm. took its seat. And um, this is not actually unique. <clears throat> East and West Germany at one stage had this, um, uh, had, had a similar, a similar situation where you could recognize one or the other. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it really sort of get, uh, for, for a long time, mainland China simply had too many of its, of its, uh, of, of its internal issues. It also didn't have the kind of maritime reach to, you know, for that to be much of a, much of a concern. Remember in 1979, they went to war with Vietnam. Now Vietnam has, uh, and China have a, um, have a, have a, a, a conflict ridden history that goes, you know, back over a thousand years. Um, you know, something I, I find, I find most South Africans know very, very little about Asia. Mm. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, you know, and those, those were issues that sort of, uh, occupied, occupied their minds. There was a lot of uh, economic rivalry with Japan. Um, but China was busy, you know, uh, uh, moving up. 
Um, it's um, it's reform efforts included a lot of outreach. Um, you know, with a, with a suggestion that that China was was op- was opening up in all ways, and you know, you know, just to 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 an extent that was true. You know, you could um, uh, by the by the early two thousands, you know, you could go to a place like Beijing or Shanghai, and you know, there's Western music and nightclubs and whatever, and you know, modestly dressed people. It you know, it, it didn't it, it didn't look like the Great Leap Forward anymore. Mm. What seems to have, what what. Um, and for a while, the Chinese reckoned that they could catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So particularly, uh, you know, as long as they had a partner in power in, in Taiwan that was, um, that at least paid lip service to the one China principle, and this was fundamentally the KMT. Mm-hmm. They tended to, they, they tended to sort of take, take their foot off the accelerator. So when the DPP lost power, I think it was about 2008, and the KMT came back in with the uh, former mayor of uh, of Taipei, Mike Zhou. Mm. Um, you know that you, you you had very high level meetings. Um, although I think that the, you, you you know you could see you, you could see some of the um, uh, some of the belligerents there. They refused to call him President Ma. He was mm. Mr. Ma. Mm. Um, and when they lost power, when, when the KMT lost power again, and uh, President Tsai Ing-wen became um, uh, became the the Taiwanese president, thinking about 2016 or so. Um, basically, all of those all of those contacts stopped, and they started to turn up the heat. What I think has become more of a uh, what has become heated lately, and why this has got got onto the world's onto the world's radar. Well, th- th- there's a few reasons. First of all. Um, uh, Xi Jinping in in, in China has uh, adopted a particularly hard line. Um, Some of his predecessors were, I think, fundamentally technocrats rather than ideologues. Um, And uh, these people seem to have have been pushed, you know, uh, seem to be pushed out. He seems to be far more connected with the um, uh, with with an ideological and nationalist agenda. Where uh, Taiwan plays an outsized, an outsized, uh, um, an outsized symbolic role. Um, second, secondly, China has been expanding its for, um, its military, including its um, uh, its its maritime forces, and he has be, and, and he has made this threat new, on numerous occasions that they will use force if necessary. Now they've been saying this for 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 a long time, but that, that, mm-hmm. that has become a lot more credible. Then the third thing, of course, is the um is Russia invading Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Now these things happen on the other side of the world, but they do demonstrate something which I think shocked a lot of people, and that is that war doesn't only happen in dusty places with a bad electricity supply where we you know with city names that we can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um you know uh Ukraine you know, if not, a fully, if not a fully developed country, was in Europe and you know was uh, making overtures to the European Union. Taiwan, you know, is it? Um, that's also, you know, that that's that's also a military conflict. There is not is not is not impossible. Mm-hmm. Now, why that is important, and why Taipei, uh, Taiwan's important, um, just from a purely geopolitical uh, point of view, two reasons. First of all, Taiwan is a world leader in semiconductors. So everything mm. you use, your the phone, the system that we're using to record this, you mm. know, that all has some Taiwanese connection. Um, and the Taiwanese have understood that this gives them enormous leverage. They may not be recognized by countries like the United States, 
but it's a funny kind of, I said it's a funny kind of isolation. It's one where your passport is not technically recognized, but you can enter more countries without a visa than, 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 than I think South Africa can. I think when, when South Africa lost its visa free access to the UK, Taiwan got theirs. Um, oh, really? Okay. You know, look, you, um, it's, it's, there, there, there's some countries that will, that, that just don't accept it. Um, for Thai, for China, you actually need a special document. But fundamentally, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I know someone who's, uh, who's lived there for about 30 years now, a South African guy, married a Taiwanese woman, and he said that he was actually considering take, uh, taking out Taiwanese citizenship, which is an enormously difficult thing to do. It's like, uh, um, very, very strong, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very much linked to your cultural background, not to put it too fine a point in it, and your father, where your father comes from. Uh, so very difficult for a, you know, for a non-Chinese, but he said that he, for business, he has to travel around Asia. And he says that the, the inconvenience of having to get visas to go to places like Bangladesh or whatever, he says that, you know, if he can, he can arrange to get a Taiwanese passport, he'd prefer that. Um, so yeah, um, so there's that, the, that, that industry is one that, uh, America, Japan or whatever do not want to see fall into China's hands. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that is what's called the first island chain. Now, if you go up to South Korea, through Japan, Taiwan, the Philippines, down to Australia, those are all fundamentally pro-American countries. Malaysia mm-hmm. also to some extent. Um, if that, if that is broken, that would give China a kind of ability to to project power into the Pacific. And right. that is something that a lot of um, that the United States is very concerned about, but also virtually every country in that region has a territorial dispute with China. Uh, um, okay. And that is not, that, that is not widely understood. Um, and I, you know, a lot of the such commentary as exists in South Africa tends to assume that this is all America versus China mm. and America's got its, you know, tame, you know, its tame set of uh, puppies sort of lined up. Uh, as I say, Vietnam is, the Vietnamese have been fighting, have been fighting the Chinese since before anyone had thought about America, you know, mm. uh, before it was a Clinton, Christopher Columbus's, uh, uh, math maker's <laughs> eye. Um, the, the, the Philippines has actually taken them to, to international tribunals over, um, over claims to the South China Sea. It's quite remarkable. They literally claim this huge body of water, which is, which lies actually Geographically closer to places like Vietnam, the Philippines, and Malaysia. It's what they call the Nine Dash Line. They've been building artificial islands there. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, you know, and, um, and if, 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 if there was no United States and no Yankee imperialism and whatever you want to call it, those would still be big issues. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of the world woke up to what I would consider, what, what, what I would say, and, you know, I do speak as someone with an unabashed, um, Sympathy for, for, for Taiwan over China. The other thing, of course, is that Taiwan was the first, has been, is the first democracy in Sinic history. China's history goes back 5,000 years. The first community of Chinese people with their own polit, with, with a predominantly Chinese polity that have actually elected their government freely have been on, on the island of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a big ideological challenge to China because they, um, part of their, their legitimating narrative is that democracy is not suitable for the Chinese character. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember listening to a Chinese diplomat saying, yeah, we, we in China believe in democracy. We believe in human rights. And he leaned forward almost conspiratorially and said, but with a Chinese understanding. <laughs> so, 
yeah, you know, if you're some sort of Uyghur or, um, uh, you know, Tibetan separatist or civil libertarian big mouth, it doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't apply. In Taiwan, you can pretty much say what you want. The one thing they don't want Taiwan saying is that we are not part of China. But, um, yeah, you know, history has, has simply kind of, uh, as, as simply, you know, overtaken, overtaken the realities. What is it because the impression I get, and and uh, I just put a postscript to your article to mm. to sort of keep it um, um, on, you know, on point was to, that the who won the Taiwanese election and what the implications are. Can you take us right. through that? Okay. Um, first of all, here's Here's something that, uh, that, 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 that might entertain your, uh, uh, your listeners. Relations with China are, are not actually, uh, the hottest political topic there. Mm. Taiwan is a, um, uh, is a, is a middle class democracy and polling shows overwhelmingly most people are more concerned about things like property prices. Mm. Taipei is one of the most densely populated areas in Asia, which I think probably means in the world. Mm. And, uh, what you spend on, 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 on rent, you know, can just chew up off your paycheck. Mm. Those sort of things, as in, as in many, you know, developed, uh, developed democracies are what, uh, you know, what people, um, uh, people are concerned about. They're, bi- they're big issues with the structure of the judicial system. A lot of, you know, uh, the Republic of China was formed by bringing, you know, together, you know, typical, uh, you know, uh, uh, traditional Chinese forms with um, elements of um, uh, of European civ- uh, civil law and the influence of of the United States over time. So you have this very sort of hodgepodge, uh, you know, legal and governance system, mm. and it's kind of been ignored. It's been acknowledged since I was there that this, this stuff needs to be cleaned up. So um, those sort of things concern most most Taiwan most Taiwanese a lot more. Um, about 20% say that relations, and so it's not independence, it's sort of cross-strait relations, mm. uh, is, is, is a dominant issue. So who won? Um, the uh, presidential election was taken by the, by the DPP. That was, uh, that's Tsai Ing-wen's party. That's the party that tends to be, um, uh, tends to be, I'd say deep down pro-independence. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't, I, I really don't get the sense that any of the, of the presidential contenders had any intention to, 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 to act on that. Mm. Overwhelmingly, what polling shows is that most Taiwanese say just maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not perfect, but it's livable. You know, as I say, your passport may not technically be issued by a state that, you know, is, that, that is recognized when you go overseas, mm-hmm. but they will still stamp your passport and let you in. Um, so, um, you know, we can, uh, we can live with that. Um, the uh, legislative elections were somewhat more, uh, somewhat more contested, um, and the DPP doesn't have a sort of ruling majority there. So um, that, that 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 will make for uh, make for an interesting couple of years. Um, there's a that they. Their political culture, I think, is still has, has, has struggled to adapt to, 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 to democracy. And there are, there are a lot of bad feelings, you know, going back, um, uh, going back over, um, you know, uh, back to the, back to the period of KMT rule. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's something that, uh, that both pan green and pan blue, um, DPP and, uh, and KMT politicians do, which is almost, is almost meant to stick your, um, uh, your finger in the other's eye. And that's going to the shrines of the war dead. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Um, the, uh, the KMT will go to those who fought, you know, in the Chinese army. And sometimes, you know, there'll be, uh, private visits to mainland China where they'll do this sort of thing. Um, Taiwanese will, uh, you know, politicians have done this in Japan. Mm. Um, there were, I, I don't think Taiwan contributed many troops, but certainly labor battalions and that sort of thing. I know there was a prisoner of war camp there. Um, and many were, were, were uh, were educated. And many of the old people, most of that generation's gone, look back very fondly at that period. They say, you know, mm-hmm. the Japanese built railways, they treated us like second-class citizens, killed a lot of us, but, you know, they governed the country properly. There was no crime. Um, you know, they, they, they gave us, they gave us our start. Um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, yeah, so. yeah, what I wanted to ask was, um, given what you mentioned earlier, the sort of generational spread, um, uh, you've got educated, sophisticated, younger population. How is that, and how has how is the Chinese takeover of Hong Kong affected attitudes towards the dispute? Oh, great importance of young people. Although it must be qualified by saying they've got a very very low birth weight. Both both they and China have this problem. Um, uh, that that population is just inherently a lot more liberal. Taiwan was the first pop, was was the first country in Asia to uh, uh, to allow same sex marriages. Mm. Um, okay. You know, and that was that was uh, the sort of thing that the DPP was promising. Um, the takeover of Hong Kong. Now that for a lot of Taiwanese in the 1990s, that was seen as an arrangement they could live with. Mm. Because they thought, well, China is um, is this economic dynamo. We can, uh, you know, as long as we can kind of regulate our oh, internal okay. affairs, that might be a yeah. People were talking in terms of maybe a confederation as opposed to a um, um, as opposed to a union. Um, but after the uh, the protests in, in 2018 and 2019, I think that was just wiped out. Does that mm. demonstrate that the Chinese have no intention? of respecting one country, two systems. In fact, it's interesting to know that those all began over um, extradition uh, disputes between um, uh, uh, between Taiwan and Hong Kong. I don't think it, was, it wasn't so much a dispute as they needed to sort of update the treaty, and there was no issue within, Ty- within Hong Kong about extraditing to Taiwan or vice versa. It was when China stepped in and wanted to kind of also be included in that. They were much more, mm. um, you know, cagey about allowing people to be extra, extradited to China. Mm. And, you know, this is, this is Hong Kong. Now, many Hong Kongers and many Taiwanese have uh, business and professional and personal relations, um, in the other place. And they saw this and this was like a society like us. Mm. Um, uh, Tsai Ing-wen uh, actually offered, uh, I think a, a kind of asylum to, to, to Hong Kong as he wanted to do, he wanted to escape. And she was very firm at that. There will be no one country, two systems, because that means the Chinese takeover. End of story. Mm. Um, the other thing that I think uh, shook Taiwan was the uh, was the COVID outbreak. Oh, um, the way they treated you. Okay. Well, yeah. Look, this again. Okay, I think this actually did did a lot to alter Taiwan's standing in the world, mm. because here was China, you know, the economic dynamo with its belts and roads and whatever that. Um, knew there was a problem and then actually bullied countries like the Philippines, particularly into not stopping flights when they tried to bullied the World Health Organization. Now, this is a, this has happened to Taiwan a few times. Ta- 
Taiwanese observers knew something was up because they do have a, a, a very good handle, you know, intelligence network and whatever. Mm. They tried to warn the World Health Organization and, you know, they started to actually shut Taiwan down a lot, a lot sooner. Uh, China refused to allow any contact between the World Health Organization and Taiwan and essentially let the pandemic, you know, gather its legs before, uh, you know, uh, it, in order, in some respects, I think to try and, to try and save face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, around the world, um, a lot of countries with no particular skin in this game, I think I'm talking about places like Lithuania, like mm-hmm. the Czech Republic, um, countries that I think, you know, have an in, inbuilt hostility towards communism, mm-hmm. but also saw how that, you know, how the world was just floored by this, that this mm-hmm. actually can come and haunt you in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um and I, you know, like, uh, uh, the Czech Republic, for instance, has, uh, established some warm unofficial relations with, with, with Taiwan. Um, in fact, they were, and they, uh, some of those East, those East European countries have been yeah. quite, you know, strident well, about. I think it was one of, one of the, um, um, uh, one of the, oh, God, I can't remember, but one of the three, the small, uh, it was either Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. I think it was Estonia, but I'm, or Lithuania. Could I'm not be, quite yeah, sure. Yeah. Actually, developed quite uh, quite close relationships. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. uh, sorry. Unfortunately, I mean, we literally are running out of time. Uh, so, I think what what draws from that is um, American isolationism. Probably uh, uh, the t- the tendency towards it at this stage comes at a very bad time because if. Nothing, yeah. nothing doesn't spill over into everything else, as we have discovered both with the Ukraine war, the Israel Hamas yeah. war, and, and this issue. Look, look, you know, let me, um, uh, let me say this about, about Asia. Um, there's, there is a lot of, uh, of, of, of hostility in America to, to NATO on the basis that the Europeans have been freeloading and it wasn't Trump. I think every president since Carter has complained about it, including mm-hmm. Barack Obama. I think he used the, the phrase freeloaders. Um, now they have, if, if not codified into a NATO structure, but they have a, sim- they have a similar web of alliances, uh, South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, the Philippines, and, and now Australia is coming on, uh, coming very strongly online there. Um, those countries actually, uh, have seen the military threat and, in the case of South Korea, have always maintained very, uh, very strong and, and, and combat-ready militaries. In the case of Japan, they've accelerated that. Uh, Taiwan mm-hmm. has also been, uh, been been accelerating its. Um, so, you know, I think that, it, and I think that the, the the stakes there are so incredibly high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the analogy I've used is that this is the, that this would that to allow. China to gain some sort of hold over um, over Taiwan or the island of Formosa or whatever, that would kind of be the Czechoslovakia moment. Mm. It's been said that if Britain and France had backed Czechoslovakia in 1938, Germany was not ready for war. Mm-hmm. The Czechs could probably have, have held long enough for the for the British and French to mobilize. Wow. And maybe, you know, World War II, the Holocaust would have all been remembered as a sort of gritty one-year affair that was mostly fought on German soil. Mm. Um, and I think that that is very much what we could, uh, what, 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 what we could be looking at. But the linchpin there ultimately is, you know, the U.S. Navy. Mm. Um, mm. You know, mm. uh, and I think that the greatest risk is that a U.S. withdrawal 
could lead to forces in some of those societies thinking that or, that the only option is to bandwagon with the uh, uh, with the regional power. Mm, mm, you know, and mm. I, I I really don't see that working out well. No. <laughs> yes, there, there's a there's a there's a there's a phrase for the ages. Um, Terence, we we're gonna have to hold it there. I I. I I need I need I need to turn an hour to my to some of my interviews and I think this is one of them. So thank you very much for uh, for coming on board. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure.